my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me, friends. This is our sixth episode looking at the book of Isaiah, and today we're going to look at this theme. The author of Isaiah longed for God's glorious kingdom. So because of the sinfulness of mankind, Isaiah knew that there were going to be no sinful people in God's kingdom apart from the sovereign grace of Yahweh. No matter how hard people try, none of us can be righteous enough to merit God's favor. Isaiah describes all of our righteous deeds, all of our efforts at goodness on our own strength like this. Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Now, just a quick note about that verse. We are told in the New Testament to strive to please the Lord. So this verse in Isaiah is not to be taken to say that when we, in the power of the Spirit, seek to glorify God by obeying his commands, this is not to say that God considers even those actions done for his glory in the strength that he provides, that he considers those to be unclean or gross. The point Isaiah is making is that apart from the grace of God, If man tries to climb the ladder to God, the ladder of good deeds to God, the very best we can offer are to him like an unclean, disgusting garment to be thrown into the trash. But have no doubt, friends, that after we turn from our sins and trust in Christ, we are able and commanded to please the Lord. Now, because we're sinful, are any of our deeds pure and untainted by sin? No. We're always wondering on some level, hoping someone notices and is going to give us credit for this act of obedience. But don't let that stop you from obeying. Because of Jesus, who perfectly obeyed the Father, because God is pleased with us in Christ, we are now able, in the strength that Christ provides, we are now able to please the Lord. I'm going on this tangent because I often hear people take this verse and use it to describe the earnest and sincere attempts at obedience by believers. And, and they dismiss those efforts to obey the Lord and the strength that he provides. And I don't think that's faithful or accurate to the text. So for us as Christians, we can please the Lord through our obedience. But apart from the Lord, it doesn't matter what we do, nothing we do pleases him. It's irredeemably corrupted by sin. And because that is the case, our only hope, our only hope is that God is who he says he is. He says in Isaiah 43, 10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. In other words, I'm the only hope you have. And we have to hope that that is true. We have to trust that God is going to always and forever be radically motivated by his own glory. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. God forgives our sins so that he can showcase and highlight his grace, his mercy, his wisdom, his justice. And we have to hope that that will always be the case. And our God does not change. And so that will always be the case. And so we are commanded, invited. God pleads with us. In Isaiah 45, 22, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. We are to come to Yahweh. Isaiah 55, 1, come 
Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. That's all of us. We're all born because of sin, thirsty. And we, like Isaiah says in Jeremiah, digging out these cisterns that hold no water, desperately looking for water when God in Christ is holding out to us living water. We're to come to Yahweh to find the satisfaction for every longing. We're to seek God. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. God will forgive those who draw near to him in repentance and faith. And it's only those who do that, who draw near to God in repentance and faith, who get to enjoy an everlasting relationship with God. Isaiah 55.3 reminds us that God made a covenant with David that David's kingdom would last forever. And this covenant finds its fulfillment in King Jesus, the greater David. And all of those who come to Jesus enjoy all the blessings of the covenant because of the work of our Messiah. Isaiah wants to persuade his audience, his original readers and us today, to repent and be transformed so that they and we can enjoy life in Yahweh's kingdom. Those, Isaiah 59, 20, those who turn from their transgression will enjoy life in the kingdom. And so to strengthen this appeal, Isaiah does a a reverse Deuteronomy 28. Now, I don't have to tell you what a reverse Deuteronomy 28 is. Of course, I'm kidding. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 is this great chapter where God lays out first the covenant blessings in the first 14 verses, and then he lays out the covenant curses for disobedience in the last 54 verses. So the weight is definitely on the covenant curses. Isaiah flips that on its head. And when you turn through the last 15, 20 chapters of Isaiah, you see just a staggering amount of emphasis on the blessings for those who will turn from their sins and trust in Yahweh. But Isaiah doesn't hide that this is a life or death choice. And so we will talk about at the end of today's episode, we will talk about the fate of those who reject the offer of salvation. But let's put the weight where Isaiah does, and let's look at all the amazing things that God wants to do for us and in us if we will come to him in repentance and faith. So to begin, let's look at the people of the new kingdom. Well, the future kingdom will be glorious because Yahweh is there in the midst of his people. Isaiah 61 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, Darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And this light of God's glory shining on his people will draw the nations to Yahweh. The very next verse, Isaiah 63, and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And this is the testimony of Scripture from beginning to end. Yahweh is a universal God who calls for all of the nations, all of the peoples to come to him. Isaiah 45, 22, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. I am God and there is no other. Baal can't save. Marduk can't save. Set can't save. No one can save but Yahweh. And when that happens, when God's light shines on his people and they reflect that light through their love and obedience to the nations and the nations come, then all mankind will know. It says in Isaiah 49, 26, all flesh shall know that I am the Lord, your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Now, some of Yahweh's servants 
are called to go, to leave their homes and proclaim him. Missionary work didn't begin in the New Testament. Isaiah 66, 19 and 20 says, I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations. So God will call out a remnant, and then he will send them to the nations, to Tarshish, to Pul, to Lud, who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations, and they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord, on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and on dromedaries to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their grain offerings in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. So why are the nations going to come? Because they're going to catch a glimpse of the beauty of Yahweh. And the way the nations will catch a glimpse of the beauty of Yahweh is by seeing the beauty of Yahweh's people. Isaiah 69 says, The coastland shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. This is why the obedience of God's people, both before and after Jesus, is so important, because it is as the world sees God's people love him and love one another, they will be drawn to come and worship Yahweh. God's people will be a holy and forgiven people. Isaiah 4, 3 and 4, He who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a great spirit of judgment and by spirit of burning. Yahweh will purify his people to draw the nations to him. Yahweh will reign. The Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and his glory will be before his elders. Isaiah 24, 23 says, and people will praise Yahweh. Isaiah 25, 1, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. In Yahweh's kingdom, there will be no more sorrow or death for his people. Isaiah 25, 8, one of the great promises of the Old Testament, one of the hints that we get in the Old Testament of the resurrection hope that's fulfilled in Christ. Isaiah 25, 8 says, God will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. God's people will experience resurrection. Isaiah 26, 19, another pointer to the work of Jesus. Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. Your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. What's more, once God's people have been given life, Yahweh will pour out his spirit on them. Isaiah 32, 15 through 18, the spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. There will be healing for God's people. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, and the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. God will make with his people a new everlasting covenant and there will be an abundant life for God's people to enjoy. Isaiah 65, 13. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, my servants shall eat, but you, you who reject me shall be hungry. My servants shall drink, but you, you who reject me, shall be thirsty. My servants shall rejoice, but you, you who reject me, shall be put to shame. These images are written down for us, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, to give us hope and to motivate us to persevere because God is worth it. 
Isaiah is telling us that being in God's kingdom is nothing less than the fulfillment of every human longing. Every ache, every desire, every hope is fulfilled in Jesus and in his kingdom and nowhere else. So those are the people of the new kingdom. Where will these blessed people spend eternity? Well, next, let's look at the world of the new kingdom. Isaiah tells us that there will be a new creation. Isaiah 65, 17, Behold, God says, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. In this new creation, God's glory will be our protection. Isaiah 4, 5, and 6, The Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night, hearkening back to the Exodus, where God protected his people from the Egyptians. He will protect his people. And we'll have nothing more to fear from nature. Some of the more famous verses in Isaiah, first in 35, and then in chapter 11, it says in chapter 35, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Living where they lived, the people of Israel knew to fear the desert. The desert was a place of despair and death and hopelessness. But in God's new creation, even the desert will blossom. Even the desert will become a place of life. Isaiah 11, 6-8, The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion, and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. We'll have nothing more to fear from nature. All will be made right again in God's new creation. And all of these wonders, all of these joys belong to those ransomed by God. Isaiah 51, 11, the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So those are the people and that's where they're going to live. Who's going to be in charge of this amazing existence? And that, of course, is the king of the new kingdom, Yahweh. All the glory of the new kingdom goes to God. Isaiah 43, 7, God calls his people to come to him. And he says, if you're called by my name, I created you for my glory. And he will rule as king forever. Isaiah 43, 15, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Now notice that many of the attributes of the kingdom that God is going to bring in are also said to be brought about by the servant and the Messiah. We've been talking about what the, the kingdom of Yahweh will be like. Well, let's remind ourselves of Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah 42, speaking of the servant, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. And one more, Isaiah 59, 16 through 17. God saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. 
He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. In this new world, all will worship Yahweh and find their satisfaction in him. And this has always been God's plan for the world. So we, as the people of God, should live in light. We should live today in light of where we're headed and will spend eternity. Now, Isaiah knows that unlike earthly kingdoms where you can pick and choose and move around, you can be a citizen here, you can move there. Ultimately, there are only two kingdoms, one of life and the other of death. And that's why after making it clear how amazing it will be to be in God's kingdom, the last verse of Isaiah is strange. And it's strange because of the somber and ominous tone that it strikes. Here is the fate for those who refuse to trust in the servant and submit to the king. Isaiah 66, 24, and they, God's people, will go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Trust in Yahweh, my friends. He is the only Savior. So, Lord willing, next time we come together, we're going to look at some lessons that we can take away from the book of Isaiah. But for now, take up and read. God bless.